Well, we're in week three of a Christmas message series that we're calling Songs of Christmas. And this year's Christmas series is rooted in the book of Luke. And this is where we find four of the very first songs of Christmas. And these early songs of Christmas are very unique because they were sung during, uh, before, and after the birth of Christ. Um, they're also powerful songs of praise that teach us about God. They teach us about God's character, about his nature, and they also help answer some really important questions uh, that many people have about God. So if you remember back in week one, we looked at Mary's song, and Mary's song of praise teaches us about God uh, by answering the question, what is God like? I think this is a pretty common question that people have. What, what is God like? So to help bring clarity to this question, her song gives us two words that answer the question. She, she says that God is mindful and God is mighty. So God is mindful. We know that he was mindful of Mary, and we know all throughout God's word that he's mindful of you individually. This means that he thinks of you, he remembers you, and he, he takes care of you. But God is also mighty, and we could spend a year talking about how all of the different ways that God is mighty, but specifically for that message, we said, you know, God is mighty to save. He's mighty as a righteous judge. He's also mighty to work all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So that's, that was Mary's song. She helps answer the question, what is God like? And then in week two, we looked at Zachariah's song. His song teaches us about God by answering the question, why do we need God? Why do we need God? His song is all about Jesus as our Redeemer. If you remember the word Redeemer or Redeem, this is really the act of someone providing payment to free someone else. So God's word is very clear that all people are sinners, and we're sinners by nature as well as by choice. And our sin has a lot of consequences. Our sin separates us from God. It destroys human relationships. It gives us a false view of who we were created to be in Christ. It it gives us a false identity. Those are just a few things that sin does in our lives. Sin also holds us captive. Just like a prisoner who's held captive in chains. Think, think about it in those terms as a word picture. That sin holds us captive. See, Jesus was born to redeem people from their sin. He was born to set the captives free. And we can be set free from the weight and the penalty of our sin only by God's free gift of grace and through having a personal faith in Jesus. A personal and sincere faith. So Zachariah's song shows us that um, Jesus' birth ultimately points us to the cross because this is where hope, joy, peace, and salvation are found. Well, today we're going to look at our third song of Christmas, which is one of my favorites. This is the angel's song. The angel's song is also a powerful song of praise that, that helps answer another important question that many people have about God. And I think this might be the question um, that probably has the most people curious about in our world today, and that is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Was he a good man? Was he a great teacher? Is he God? The angel's song helps answer this question. But before we take a closer look at this song, I'd like for us to go to God in prayer this morning. 
We're going to bow our heads, and we're just going to ask God to help prepare our hearts to hear and receive his word today. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help guide our time this morning. Help us to prepare our hearts to hear and apply your word. I ask that you would bless our time together, and may it be a time that is well spent for your glory and for the good of your church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in Luke chapter 2, Joseph and Mary had recently made the long journey from their home in Nazareth uh, to David's ancestral town of Bethlehem. And they made this trip, this long trip, because a census was being taken that required families to return to their ancestral towns for registration. Uh, We know that Joseph was a descendant of King David. This required him to go back to Bethlehem in Judea for this registration. And it's while they're in Bethlehem that we read uh, Mary gives birth to Jesus. Now, I love the way that the birth of Jesus was announced. All right, the birth of Jesus was announced in in a very special and a very unique way, one that will never be topped or repeated again. So this wasn't your typical um, gender reveal party or or your typical birth announcement video, which, by the way, if you just go online, there are a ton of hilarious fail videos of parents trying to announce uh, the gender of their their child, and then it goes horribly wrong. I mean, uh, lawns catching on fire, people being hit in the face with baseballs. It's just crazy. There are so many. But uh, so, you know, the, some of the birth announcement videos, maybe you've done this. You make a cake, right? You cut into the cake. And if it's pink, it's a, it's a girl. If it's blue, it's a, it's a boy. But th- this isn't the way that the birth of Jesus was announced. On the night of Jesus' birth, uh, we read that he was announced by a vast choir of angels as well as the armies of heaven. Man, can you imagine that? A vast choir of angels and the armies of heaven, they, were, they announced his birth by praising God through song because of who Jesus is and because of how he was born. And I think you'll see why this is such a special and unique way to announce the birth of a child. Um, let's look at the angel's song in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. This is what we read. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, and they they were guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. He said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. He said, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. So, if they weren't afraid before, they are now. It says, the armies of heaven, praising God. And saying or or singing glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Man, what an awesome visual. What an awesome picture of the birth of our king. Amen. So we read a a group of shepherds. They were staying in some of the nearby fields. I I guess just doing shepherd things. (laughs) You know, I, I wouldn't know. 
And it, and it says an angel who, you know, I, I, think, I think this was Gabriel. That's just my opinion. I think this was likely Gabriel who, who suddenly appeared to them. And I can only imagine, as the scriptures say, they would have been absolutely terrified. Any one of us would have been terrified. But the angel reassured them. He said, you don't have to be afraid. Because he was sent directly by God to share this good news with them that was going to bring joy to all people. The angel then told the shepherds about the birth that had just taken place and about who this baby really is. In Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we read these words. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. He said, the Savior... The Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So the angel described who this baby was by using three very specific words. He says, the Savior, the Messiah, and the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem. This is extremely significant because each of these words carries a little different meaning. Each word helps shed light on who Jesus really is. So if you're taking notes this morning, the first thing we're going to talk about is this, that Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. So this first word, Savior, helps answer the question, who is Jesus, by describing the job or the mission that Jesus would have here on earth. So this word Savior, it describes his job or or mission. And the word Savior, it carries the same meaning with it as the word redeem or redeemer, which is a word that we looked at over the past few weeks. You know, when any one of us are in a difficult situation, when we're going through life storms, when we're hurting or when we're in distress, I believe that we're always happy when someone is there to rescue us. Would you agree? Whether it's rescue from something minor, like say your car breaks down on the side of the road and you have to call a tow truck, or else you're going to be sleeping in your car overnight. All right, we're, we're excited when someone comes to rescue us. Or maybe something major, like when a lifeguard blows his whistle and has to jump into the water to rescue someone who's drowning. We're always glad. We're always grateful when someone is there to rescue us. I would say that in times of hardship, in times of struggle, um, we look for a Savior. You know, one of the foundational truths of God's word and one of the foundational truths of our faith is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Amen? As Jesus, as, as, as our Savior, Jesus can provide rescue. I was reminded this week about a wonderful story in the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel chapter 22. It's here that we read another song of praise that was sung by David. And he sang this song to God because of how God had rescued him from his enemies. I'm not going to read the entire song this morning because it's, it's pretty long. But I want to encourage you to go home and read 2 Samuel chapter 22 today. But listen to just the first few verses, the first few lines of this song. You can hear David's heart and really see a picture of how God is Savior, how God is, is rescuer. David says, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my Savior, the one who saves me from violence. 
I called on the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Man, that is, that's like a life text right there. Something that maybe we should take time to memorize and get to know God a little bit better as, as Savior and Rescuer. This is an amazing story about how as our Savior, Jesus can rescue us. But as our, as our Savior, Jesus can also provide healing. I was reminded of another Old Testament story this week in the book of Isaiah chapter 38. We read a true story about how God healed a man named Hezekiah, a guy who was suffering from a, a life-threatening illness. So Hezekiah was told by the prophet Isaiah that he was going to die because of this illness. Imagine that. And I know many of us have lost loved ones, maybe, maybe recently or in years past, and, and you hear that, that, that heartbreaking news. It just kind of stops everything else that's going on around you. So Isaiah told Hezekiah, he says, here's the deal, you're, you're going to die from this illness. This is going to be what takes your life. And in hearing this news, Hezekiah immediately turned to God in prayer. And th- this story really is a great reminder that prayer is a partnership with God and that God will always hear the prayers of his people. But it's also a reminder to us today that prayer is meant to be our first line of defense Um, It really was never meant to be a last resort. Isaiah 38, verses 2 through 6, it says, When Hezekiah heard this, so he's hearing that news, it says, He turned his face to the wall and he prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And then he broke down and he wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. He said, go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. He says, I have heard your prayer and have seen your tears. I'm going to add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. Yes, I will defend this city. So not only... In this, this story, did God rescue Hezekiah from his life-threatening illness? He also added 15 years to his life, and he promised to rescue the city from their enemy, the Assyrians. You know, this message is an amazing truth that God is able. That God is able. You know, when it seems like all hope is lost in our lives, we can be reminded that nothing is impossible with God. You know, I fear that as, as, as churches, as the local body of Christ, maybe we forget that sometimes. Or, or maybe we don't forget it, but we don't live like it's true. That nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. That God is able. But I love the, the response here and in other stories, especially in the Old Testament, that you know, even if God doesn't heal the way that we think he should heal, Even if God doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we think that he should answer them, we can still praise God because he is always faithful. He is always good. Amen? And that is a truth that we see all throughout God's word. As our Savior, Jesus also saves us from the penalty of sin. 
In the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verse 23, we read this. It says, They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. For I will save them from all of their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture that's looking forward to the birth of Christ. This is Jesus being talked about in the Old Testament, the only one who can truly save. In fact, we see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament because God's word is really one book with one author pointing all people to one perfect Savior. So who is Jesus? Well, this first point helps answer that. Jesus is our Savior. If you're taking notes, the second point that we're going to talk about, the second truth that we're going to talk about today is this, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Luke chapter 2, verse 11, we read, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. So, so the word Savior is used to describe Jesus' job or his mission. And the word Messiah is used as his title. If you could have one word for what that word Messiah is, it's, it's the title of Jesus. See, this word Messiah is the English translation of a Hebrew word that means anointed one. See, the, the Messiah is God's promised king or anointed one who would come and rescue God's people, providing a way for us to have a restored relationship with God. I love in the book of Luke, at the very end, and right now we're reading through the book of Luke as a church family. So if you're, if you're staying on track, and if you've gotten off track, that's okay, you can... You can get back on today, but you'll, you'll finish with Luke chapter 24 on Christmas Eve. So in Luke 24, just at the very end of Luke's gospel, verses 44 through 47, listen to the words of Jesus. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem, that there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Some things stand out to me in this this text. Jesus says, the law of Moses the prophets, and the Psalms. This is another way of describing the entire Old Testament. Jesus is saying, and get this, church, the entire Old Testament points to him. The entire Old Testament points to Christ. So one verse or one text written roughly 700 years before the birth of Christ, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, he penned these words in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He says, for, uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. These words were written around 700 years before Christ. Isaiah is writing about how Jesus would fulfill all of God's promises as he is 
the Messiah, the anointed one. I love this truth when we, when we begin to step back and try to view things um, through a lens of Scripture or view things maybe the way God would view them. You see, from the moment sin entered the world, so you go, you go all the way back to Genesis 3, and I would say even before that, but from the moment sin entered the world, Jesus was God's rescue plan. And we see that all of God's word points to Christ. He's the wonderful counselor. He's mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. Jesus is the Messiah. If you're taking notes, the third truth that we're going to talk about today is this, that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Um, Luke chapter 2 verse 11 says, The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Jesus is Lord. So the word Savior is used to describe Jesus' job or his mission. The word Messiah is used to describe his title. And the word Lord, I think, is most closely used to describe who Jesus really is. I want us to get this today, church. See, by using the word Lord, the angels are making the claim, the armies of heaven are making the claim that Jesus is God in the flesh. This is amazing. The, the word Lord is the word used by Greek-speaking Jews to translate the Hebrew word Yahweh. Let me say that again. The, the word Lord is the word that is used by Greek-speaking Jews to translate the Hebrew word Yahweh. This is the personal name of God. This is the name that God has given to introduce himself to people for generations it's important for us to understand that uh, the word God is not God's personal name any more than pastor is mine. I think we confuse that sometimes. God is, is not God's personal name any more than pastor is mine. My name is Craig. This is what my friends and my family call me. My children call me dad or daddy. See, God's personal name is Yahweh. This is the name that he gave and has asked his people to call him. The angel's song is all about glorifying God because of who Jesus is. Jesus is Savior or Redeemer. He's the Messiah, the promised King, and he's Lord, God in the flesh. As Savior, he's the only one who can save sinners. He's the only one who can provide a way for people to have a restored relationship with God. As Messiah, he's the one who was promised by God for generations, the one who would come and rescue God's people. And as Lord, I love this, he's the one in whom all things were made. Jesus is the one with whom, in whom all things were made. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, we read these words. In the beginning... The Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And here this church, the darkness can never Extinguish it. Amen. 
This is John's description of Jesus. And this is the description, uh, I believe, where the Christmas story really should begin. This is where the Christmas story should begin. It begins with the one who has no beginning and no end. It starts with the one who gives life to everything and everyone and in whom all things were made. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, God's one and only Son, Emmanuel, God with us. He is Savior. He is Messiah. And He is Lord. See, the heart of the Christmas story is that on the first Christmas night, God took on flesh. The voice that that spoke and, and created the universe could also be heard crying in a manger. The same hands that placed each star in its place and who knows the number of hairs on your head as you sit here today was also holding on to his mother's fingers. When Jesus was born, he was both fully God and fully man. He was born to redeem his most prized creation, which is you.